0: My name is Alyssa Robinson, and I am here with one of our wonderful pastors, Reverend Doug Meyer, and you are tuned in to the series that we're calling Unlearn Faith, and today we are talking about pride. But before we jump into that, I just want to give y'all a heads up of where we are, what we're doing, and so... I invited y'all last month to join us in the YouVersion app for the devotional plan called Who? Me, uh, which is a devotion all about pride and all of the uh, slippery slope that pride can take us into. And it talks about anger, grudges, pessimism, all of these things that, that stem it? from yep. pride. Uh, so... If you didn't get a chance to check out the devotion, that's okay. Hopefully, you'll get something out of this conversation anyways.
1: It's an easy read. You can open, open it right now.
0: Yeah, it is. It really is. It's only four days and you can scan through it while we are talking if you want to. Uh, but just so that you have an idea when we're talking about, okay, day one, day two, day three, day four, uh, this is what we're referring to the who me devotion in the U version app. So hopefully you'll check it out, man. What are your thoughts on pride as a deadly sin?
1: I know. Where did that come from? I guess, uh, you know, it's not. I don't think it's scriptural where it says the, the uh, twelve deadly sins.
0: Seven deadly sins. Seven deadly. sins. It sin. is scriptural. Well, actually, I don't know.
1: I'm not sure either. We we'll should, have to research we that. We should probably. We should know be that. more prepared. I know. So, <laughs> uh, pride. You know, it's uh, um, It's kind of a confusing thing, but I guess I have come to understand pride as driven by my ego. And I understand ego as being something that you kind of have to keep in check. Like it's not a bad thing, but it can be a bad thing. And it becomes a quote bad thing when you're overly proud. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we'll talk a little bit about where's the line between a little proud and a lot proud and and proud enough to kind of jack you up. And And at what
0: point does it become deadly? Our pride. Yeah, yeah. Where is that line? Apparently,
1: there's a line that if you cross it, you die. You go to hell. You, well, probably after you die. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's a whole lot of different things. And there's, uh, you know, if you do Wikipedia uh, or just Google what's the church have to say about pride, you're going to go all over the place. And you're going to remember stuff where uh, we got confusing messages as... Uh, Young people, kids, growing up, parents and teachers uh, both encourage you to be proud of your work, but don't be too proud or haughty.
0: Do something that you're proud of. If you're not proud of it, don't turn it in.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, oh, you're acting so proud. You're, you know, you're, you're uh, boasting. And I mean, we give people this basket of stuff all around pride. And basically, we just say, here, mm-hmm. figure it out. Yeah, and then you open the Bible, and you find out if you're too proud. You go to hell.
0: And I don't think that anyone would argue. Like parents, don't tell your kids you're proud of them. No. Like, and so, where, what is the definition of pride that Scripture said God doesn't like? Or actually, I think you said it uses the term God hates uh, God pride. Hate.
1: That's what this guy said. Yeah, but I don't know that he knows what he's talking about. Uh, I think, and this is Doug. Doug Meyer theology, that God cautions us about being so proud that we, uh, I think there's kind of an alignment of, about around humility and that the overly proud don't need God and that we uh, perhaps uh, elevate ourselves based on pride to think higher of ourselves than we ought And that then we're way up there on the top of that perilous thing where if you fall off, you die and go to hell. But that, um, I don't know, the phrase that is coming to mind is remember your place, (laughs) you know, and that pride takes us out of our humility and it takes us out of our uh, just kind of checking ourselves.
0: Yeah. I think it plays a lot in arrogance and the assumption that we are better than others, that we know more than others. All of these things that we tend to do, which I guess in scriptural reference would be, uh, putting ourselves above God is saying, well, we know better. I am better than you. I know the right way you're doing it the wrong way. Um,
1: well, and and it's, uh, um, it opens all these doorways, right? To like entitlement because I am this, I deserve this. Mm-hmm. And I think people like, just imagine the people that we've all known that you do life with who are, uh, like you could kind of pick a really super proud person out in a crowd, right? They just kind of have this air about them. Mm. And most of us don't like super proud people because they're just kind of, uh, jerk ask. Uh, but, uh, There are some people who, uh, I don't know, it'd be interesting to talk to a recovered, proud person. Like, uh, what brought you back down to reality? You know, was it losing a job, losing a relationship? Something that was like this check, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then I think sometimes pride is even a mask for insecurity. Like if I act super proud, super puffed up, Uh, it hides that on the inside. I'm just a mushy mess.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think that a story of pride for me is, um, the beginning of my marriage. I, and I'm not, this was not a healthy thing and I am not, uh, Happy that people said this to me. (laughs) But when I was getting married, my ex-husband was an atheist. And he and I had were okay with that. We had been through premarital counseling and we had decided, you know, being on the same faith page wasn't important to us, and we shared the same values of love and and all of these things. And if um, his love wasn't based in Christianity then that was okay because love is love. And so we had this, I had this idea of like, we can handle anything. We can do, you can't touch me. And I had people who said things to me like, oh, I wish I, you know, it must be nice to see the world through rose colored glasses. I had people actually tell me your marriage is going to fail because you don't. And that wasn't a good thing for people to say. I do not recommend anyone telling someone else your marriage is going to fail. My marriage did fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the beginning of it, I, would, I wouldn't I would have listened to anybody about anything because I thought I knew best. You don't know us. You don't know me. You don't understand how we are. We're above such things. We don't <laughs> need to uh, do you know, all of this extra work, we don't need to do whatever, fill in the yep. blank. And I just went into my marriage with such arrogance of like, yeah, like people tell me marriage is hard, but I'm a pretty tough cookie.
1: I got this.
0: And, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I think that that was one of my personal stories of like, I hate even, it makes, it feels icky even using the phrase pride comes before the fall because I don't want to say pride is the reason that my marriage failed. It may, failed for a lot of different reasons. We weren't communicating well. It was, uh, you know, Equal, the more at first when after the divorce, I felt like a victim. But as time goes by, I slowly look back and I'm be like, OK, I played a part in this, too. Right. And so I'm slowly unlearning my pride, unraveling my pride that was going on three or four years ago. But it, it was just this feeling of nothing could touch me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I get it. I get this marriage thing. What are y'all struggling with over there?
1: Which is sounds crazy. Kind of like arrogance, right? And and no betterisms. And so it's it's kind of like to me, pride is what's on the label of the cereal box. And then when you open it and you pour it out, there's all these pieces that when you begin taking them, you know one and one over here and one over here, and you know you pull out the the berries and the Captain Crunch or whatever is sort your of thing. You go oh oh. And so imagine if you had like just a, a train wreck of pride and you were arrogant and resentful. The fall might be just this moment of humility uh, that you didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this reckoning. And uh, those words are all said like reckoning. I don't like that word. But there is reckoning. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that God is like this, you know.
0: I'm going to show you Alyssa Robinson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think God does that. But I think we have reckoning moments that are checks where, uh, like, I used to uh, be really proud that I uh, was, uh, like, when I was younger, back in the day, uh, I was a young man on the staff at First Methodist Church Dallas, which in and of its day was like this big deal. And I had uh, gotten there pretty young. I was on their staff at 27. And I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. And I got invited to go do stuff and do workshops and speak and stuff. And um, I, uh, I probably was an arrogant jerk sometimes, which is, uh, isn't it crazy to think? Uh, here I was, Doug Meyer, Director of Children and Family Ministries, serving at a church, Arrogant jerk. <laughs> There's something about that that is not at all compatible with teaching the virtues of the Christian faith of love and compassion and humility and servanthood. Um, but anyway, um, no, I've had I've had issues with pride around pride of accomplishment, mm. and um, and realizing that that's a real it's a short lived ooh. You know, that it, um, and basically, you're about the only one that is as impressed with yourself. Nobody else is all up in that. Mm. But it just, it gave me enough to kind of walk like, I got this, man. You're lucky to have me around.
0: Well, and it's funny because... The scripture that was chosen in the devotion that we did uh, from you version. Now we're going to start diving into that. Okay. Was not what I expected. I expected it to pick out all of the things about pride is bad, pride is bad. But what it focused on was First Corinthians thirteen, mm-hmm. which we've all heard at every wedding yep. we've ever been to. Never, never. Um, but I'm just going to read in its entirety, not all of First uh, Corinthians thirteen, but everything that was cited in our devotion this week. So it started with love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things." So I feel like what it was basically telling us is the antidote for pride is love. And here is what love is. And Mm -hmm. more importantly, what love is not. (laughs) So talking about love, like using it in reference to pride. um, So one of the things that I take pride in is I'm confident and I love the person that God made me. And that's something that I've slowly developed over time is just being grounded and loving who I am. Um, and so is that pride? Our, because I, we are commanded to love others as we love ourselves. But I feel like sometimes we gloss over the as we love ourselves. What does it look like to love ourselves and it not be prideful?
1: I think that um, they uh, confidence is a strong virtue. That as long as there is this element of humility, that, that there's this uh, keeping ourselves in check. Like uh, any time any of these get off the scale of reasonable, um, is when you start on this, you know, slippery slope of pride. You can be so confident that you become prideful, because um, I think I'm with you. I think confidence is an attribute, and it's. Uh, but when you are so confident that then other people define you as arrogant, you know. And wh- where's that line? When does suddenly one day proud Alyssa, I mean confident Alyssa, goes confident, confident, arrogant, arrogant, arrogant. arrogant. Yeah. You know, is it in expressions? Is it in words? And sometimes maybe we're that way. And we don't even realize it.
0: I think it, that's the thing is like based on, you know, we talked about some of our biases last month and one of uh, both of our biases is we are privileged. Mm-hmm. We, and we benefit. And whether y'all hate this buzzword or not, we both claim that we benefit from white privilege. Absolutely. And at what point is that privilege that has been granted to us blind pride that we don't even know that we're doing it, but we just assume we deserve certain things. We are entitled to certain things because it's what we've always had is that pride. And how do you undo pride that is ingrained within you and is a part of your upbringing?
1: Wow. That's a great question because I think that we we do have this uh, – I want to say it's an unconscious bias that is so ingrained that most of the time it happens just like breathing happens. Like I don't have to say to my body, "Hey, breathe now," but I live and act through everything that I, you know, came before me. And uh, it's moments that I'll just call self reckoning. Self, I hate. I'm not going to keep using the word reckoning. Uh, Just a check of no, I'm not really entitled to that. And I don't consciously think I am, but I act like I, but of course, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's all these things that because of uh, my upbringing and my color and my income and all that, that are just, uh, on the path that I walk. And, um, I think maybe you can, uh, learn more about those when you have experiences in which you go walk on other people's paths mm. and see the obstacles that are on their path by no choosing of theirs, but maybe just by the color of their skin or the, the uh, long history of family poverty or, or whatever. Um, you know, I've had some experiences in uh, around here. I've had some experiences in third world countries where you begin to have your eyes opened to, oh, man, the the thought of stuff that I just take for granted is really not available to everybody. Mm-hmm. What's that about? And somehow, I think I I, uh, I have to struggle to keep it straight.
0: I think another really good thing to try is uh just every now and then asking yourself the question could i be wrong
1: <laughs>
0: yeah uh, because and i'm saying that because it's a question i need to ask myself mm-hmm. often um as the digital strategist at a church where tech glitches happen all the time I have people who send me emails, who give me phone calls and say something's not working. A lot of times my first assumption is user error. You (laughs) must have done something wrong because it wouldn't be the technology that I built that's malfunctioning. But I think that if every interaction I were to start with, okay, could I be wrong? Where could I have Where could I have messed up in this before I enter into the conversation? But we just, you know, going into day two, which was all about anger, if someone challenges us, we just want to come at them with fire right away. Is uh, that pride?
1: (laughs) I think that is pride, unhealthy pride, based in an arrogance that says, I know better, I know more than you do. Again, so I am entitled to lash out at you. And, um, you know, it it seems as though there are uh, people that I will call naturally angry. I think
0: you're looking at one. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) Who who have
1: a really short fuse, who don't stop to ask, you know, could I be wrong or what else could be true? Mm -hmm. But then live out of this, get the hell out of the way world. Mm -hmm. You know, you on your way to work don't deserve to get in front of me on my way to work. Why? Because I'm Melissa Robinson. Mm -hmm. Move it.
0: Well, and that's the thing is I wouldn't say I have a short fuse uh, because I actually, but people perceive me as constantly angry because I am extremely passionate. I'm fired up. I'm on a mission at all times. And I I get tunnel vision of, okay, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish and how do I accomplish it? And I forget that there are other people. Mm. And uh, how, I mean, is that a version of pride? Yeah, I mean, I want to read a quote from the day two devotion um, of this who me thing uh, that hit me kind of hard. So it says, Scripture teaches us that our anger does not bring about the righteous life God requires. Rather than revealing what is wrong in other people, our outbursts usually show the weaknesses in us, insecurities, self-absorption, and a bitter spirit. God's patient love for us inspires us to seek to understand others rather than to rush to judgment. And so for me, I think that it is the Mm self-absorption more than anything. And the fact that like, I don't, it's not that I'm out intentionally hurting people's feelings. I'm not even thinking about your feelings. (laughs) Like I'm just functioning in the world and trying to get done what I need to get done. Sure. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And what that means is that sometimes I accidentally steamroll people.
1: Well, because I, I make up and I've witnessed you to be very task-driven and focused. And you kind of just, you know, get those eyebrows, your fears, and kind of you push them in a little bit and you go. <laughs> and, uh, I think
0: you might have been a victim that I've steamrolled in the past. <laughs>
1: Maybe. January 3rd, 2000, <laughs> 2000 and. Nineteen? No. <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, but, you know, when, whenever we have conversations like this here or in Renew and recovery and stuff, I think the hardest thing is what I call the catch moment. Like, so there I go. What, what's the thing I could have done right before I did what I did? Mm-hmm. Is there a, a way to rewire me so that I have a, a snap that says... Doug, you are racing to judgment. You are halfway down the trail, and you have no information, but you are acting like a ninny head. And
0: a ninny head.
1: I know. That's a new thing.
0: I don't think it's a new thing. I oh. think we're kind of going back a few decades for okay. that one. I'm going
1: to look it up. <laughs> ninny head. Um, but there is a – so if you connect that then back to pride, right? So there's a, I'm operating out of an assumption that overly proud people – Don't feel the need to understand others. You have a responsibility to understand me. And I don't really care if you don't, because I still am going to go for it. And then we'll sort it all out later or not, because I am who I am. And I don't really care if you sort out anything or not. Right. Mm -hmm. But
0: uh, that hurts. I heard that one. (laughs) 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 I think that you just like hit me right between the eyes with that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. We all have a growing edge. Mm. Seek to understand rather than rush to judgment. That should be uh, like on everybody's bathroom mirror in the morning or something, Mm. especially people who are living in in partnership or community with other people. Because we all, I, operate out of a me world. Like uh, whenever there is especially a task, I'm about getting my part of the task done and i'm assuming you're getting your part of the task done uh i mean just simple things you know I have a wife we share the same bathroom in the morning we're both about getting ready but we are always in each other's space of getting readiness and um but of course mine is more important right i mean that's how i act and i'm like well that's ridiculous not only is it ridiculous i could walk about 12 steps down the hall to the other bathroom so I don't know. That's just a silly way it comes out in relationships. But there's all sorts of other ways that our me-focused world takes us over.
0: Well, and one of the things that it talks about in day two, and and it kind of challenges you to try for the week, is um, assuming the best in others. And how does assuming the best in others combat pride? Well... If I, I'll, I'll be completely honest and say, I am more likely to assume the worst in other people. If, um, we are working on something, I assume I'm working harder than you. Mm-hmm. If we are, I, I assume I'm trying harder. I'm all of these things of, I, that's why I hated group projects. Cause I always felt like they weren't carrying their weight. You know, sure. and I just ha- always have this attitude of nobody's bringing their best to the table but me,
1: but you, mm-hmm. and they're lucky to have you, aren't they?
0: They are, and y'all are, and <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you very
1: much, Alyssa. Thank you. <laughs> and that is the end we of owe, this podcast. We owe you a huge debt of gratitude <laughs> for carrying us on your back.
0: No, but and I, I hate to say that because it paints me in a horrible light, but it's true. I assume the worst in people, and it has been escalated, I would say, over the past four years.
1: (laughs) Well, you had some traumatic experiences where people let you down in a big way, Yeah, and so what you did, I make up, is you uh, begat that, you generalized that into other people, especially other men, who uh, probably are hard to trust again because, you know, Fool me what? Shame on you. Fool me. You know, that mm-hmm. whole whatever. Um, but I think that, I think it's a, there's a chapter in Brene Brown's book. Uh, what's the one about imperfection? Something, something of imperfection.
0: Gifts of imperfection. The gifts of imperfection. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Where uh, she talks about a conversation she and her husband had where uh, she kind of has your mindset and he has the opposite. He said, I choose to believe that everybody's doing the best they can in the moment. And then the reaction to that is he cuts them a whole lot more slack that, uh, you know, he said, I'm doing the best I can. So I assume they're doing the best they can and that together we'll make it down the road. Now, you know, I make up that you and she would have a great conversation she's about like, how no,
0: people are not doing no, the best not. they can. That's
1: the craziest thing I've ever heard. You know, she just goes all <laughs> over him. But um, I remember a time back when I was a young parent, that I had some issues with my parents. And some, well, why didn't they? Or how, what, you know. And a therapist helped me to kind of embrace the phrase, they were doing the best they could with the tools they had. And uh, it really helped me understand kind of like generational differences in discipline and parenting and, and that kind of thing.
0: But one of the things that it doesn't change is the hurt. No. Of, uh, yeah, maybe I can convince myself that someone is doing the best they can with the tools they had, but it doesn't change the fact that they really hurt me. And they don't care that they hurt me.
1: Yeah. Because they don't
0: have the tools to care that they hurt me.
1: Well, and it leaves you to do all the work work of Mm -hmm. taking care of you. Yeah, and then you have to decide. And I think this takes us maybe into the next week because he was
0: grudges,
1: grudges, and (laughs) resentment and all that. You you can decide how long to carry that around. That's up to you, right? Because Mm -hmm. that other person, especially in your life, they've all man, they're down the road. They have moved on, and so you pulling this old heavy wagon of resentment, they don't care, Mm -hmm. right? So you just or I just have to. Anybody who's got a big old bucket of resentment has to decide how long they're going to pull it. And and most of us don't even realize it that we've been pulling it uphill until somebody one day says, you know, you can set that down. But I think we get something out of carrying it. Yeah, I think we get validated that.
0: uh, We love that indignant righteousness. Like
1: I'm entitled to be pissed off at that person. Yeah. Yeah. And why? Well, let me show you my bucket of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, so going into the day three devotion, which is all about grudges, um, I, you know, one of the things that kind of struck me, I don't know how uh, a seminary would feel about this or whoever the powers that be. Yeah. Um, Because I don't really know how we connect all of Scripture, but I know in 1 John chapter 4, it claims that God is love. So if 1 Corinthians 13, which is what we're in, is talking about all of these things that love is, can we replace the word love with God? And does it still ring true? Because I think that a lot of people are holding grudges against God. Mm. And so if I were to replace the word love to say God is patient, God is kind, God is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude... God does not insist on God's own way. God is not irritable or resentful. God does not rejoice in wrongdoing. God rejoices in the truth. God bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Is it still true when I say that?
1: I think it is. I think a lot of people, though, have uh, images and understandings of God that were formed differently. Mm. That there are, uh, and there are stories in scripture of God being pretty angry. Yeah. And God doing things in ways that don't necessarily align with all of these. Well,
0: and that's where I got ha- caught up is like, God does not insist on God's away. God is not irritable or resentful. I'm like, mm, I've read some things that God seemed pretty irritable.
1: <laughs> I th- Yeah. Well, I think as you understand or just encounter the Hebrew Bible, i.e., the Old Testament there are stories that are trying to explain other events in the world that were then attributed to God, and they were uh, big, strong, powerful images that helped create an image of a big, strong, powerful God that sometimes got really ticked off. And, oh, by the way, had a little flood and got, you know, wiped out creation. (laughs) But, uh, you know, maybe that's also a part of just a a story to try to explain creation. Mm. Not so much God, but we needed an angry God to help, you know, somebody cast in the bad guy role. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, But, no, I like that, and I'm drawn to that. I I don't know that I've ever heard that before. I think it would be helpful for people who are dealing with a whole lot of angry God issues, you know. Um,
0: Well, and that's what, you know, when it was talking about grudges – Pretty much the whole thing was focused on, you know, it really only hurts you to be holding grudges. And uh, the connection of holding a grudge to pride is that same assumption of I'm better than you, you've hurt me, I'm more important than you, Mm -hmm. Um, and you just hold on to that anger. But what I want to know is, so it's telling me not to hold a grudge. Does God hold grudges? Because I feel like people constantly talk about in the Christian church judgment day. Well, what w- what is judgment day? Is that God holding a grudge against us and saying here are all of the things that you did wrong and you did right and let's weigh it out and see which is better because that feels like a grudge to me.
1: Yeah, certainly a uh, like an inventory or a uh, you know, some big census. And I don't know who does all of God's legwork, but somebody enters all that data. Mm. And uh, the impression is that uh, both on your judgment day, right, that there's these images of, you know, you go to a door, you go to a gate, you, you, know, you know, do you get in? They pull up your file. Yeah, OK. You know, I don't know. We're going to have to have a meeting, you know, I, I guess. Um, so I'll just acknowledge that I don't... Uh, I don't value a whole lot of those ideas. <laughs> mm. uh, I believe in an all-loving, all-caring God uh, who is merciful uh, and doesn't hold grudges. And uh, I think God and who God is has been abused to create a situation where people are kept in check by mm. a fear of an angry God mm. or judging God, and that whatever happens in the next realm, um, I think, uh, and I don't know that I have any basis for this other than a real strong desire to have a loving God, that everything that God has uh, been a participant in will be a part of that new reality. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, uh, God saw everything and, and called it good, and then the story goes off the rails, right? And then Jesus comes and redeems the world, and you know, uh,
0: I don't know. We,
1: we need to have somebody in here one day who adheres to that really strongly because I want them to help me understand uh, how that works out for them.
0: Yeah, but I would struggle with that because almost every source that they would cite would be from Scripture. And I'd be like, okay, but you can't use the source that you're referring to to prove the point of the, it's, it's, it comes out of circular logic. So the truth is, until we're dead, we're not going to know. Mm-hmm. We're not going to know. So, and I, I, was, I was thinking about, you know, I think I misspoke in the grudges department because I said, you know, I think a lot of people are holding a grudge against God, which might be true, but I think more likely people are holding a grudge against us as a church because we misrepresent God. Sure. And um, they don't know God. Because of us, because we've gotten it wrong. Yeah, how and, we, how we and it's the whole judgment conversation. But it's it's the pride of the church as an institution.
1: The well, that we have it all figured out, right? And so there's
0: a right way and there's a wrong way, and you're getting it wrong, and God will rain judgment upon you. But who are we to say that? And it, it just seems crazy to me. Of like we're talking about pride, and yet the biggest perpetrator <laughs> is the church.
1: Sure. I would think, like as
0: the institution.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, we're very proud-esque in that we have it all figured out, which then goes back to that attribute earlier of arrogance, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, what would it be like for the church with capital C um, to acknowledge, and every now and then you see this about, hey, we might have got this wrong. You know, you you see some in some circles of like social justice about – you know, years ago, the church was actually a part of uh, the endorsement of slavery. And so... And
0: segregation.
1: And segregation and sexism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that we messed up.
0: I mean, plenty of the church is still in honor of sexism.
1: Well, that's true. <laughs> and so... Um,
0: well, and the church is still segregated on Sunday mornings yep. for the most part. We, yep. we have yet to rectify that.
1: Well, yeah. And the church, uh, many churches are uh, segregated racially, financially, social status, education status, all sorts of statuses. And um, every now and then, I think I've told you this before, I have the suspicion that if Jesus were to like Uber over one Sunday morning thinking that those look like interesting people and would show up and would be totally confused on what we were doing. And, and would not think at all that this was anything he had, yeah. you know. But then also,
0: to. what are denominations if not the end product of pride? To be honest, like, why are we breaking off into all of these different sects and understanding if it's not pride of arrogance and us saying, we know better than you. You're not getting it right. We're splitting off and doing our own thing. Not to say, like, one giant If we could have just done one giant body of the church that just is inclusive of everybody and however you think about things and however you interpret God and however you, you know, all of these things, what would that have been like?
1: That might have been what God had in mind in the first place.
0: I know. A lot of people would say it would be chaos, though. (laughs) Could you really claim Christianity if all beliefs are included? Of like, oh, yeah, you believe Jesus this way? Yeah. That's fine.
1: It'd be... Love entity. Love yeah.
0: You don't believe that Jesus was actually like raised from the dead? All right, come on in. You're a Christian. We still love you. Yeah. Like, What would it be like?
1: Yeah, it wouldn't be anything like it is now.
0: Uh-uh. Because yeah. there are rules. You can't call yourself a Christian well, unless the, you believe the, these and things. And the
1: rules are, uh, I think well-meaning people made the rules based on their understandings which were based on their experience, which were based on their, you know, so forth and so on. And, uh, they committed to their correctness, their rightness. And somewhere in that calculation, there had to be probably some elements of pride that said, I know better than you. I mm-hmm. have it more figured out. I'm more better, more smarter or whatever than you are. And, you know, whether it's the church or, uh, individuals I think it you know man I don't know it's a mess mm. and how do we live into that in humility yet with confidence um, it's gonna make me a lot more aware of how uh, how smarty pants I've mm. begun sometimes the, I, I do want to say though for a minute about this resentment thing like um, so I don't know exactly how you do it but I know a lot of people who have had to do their own work to let go of resentment, mm. uh, being a, uh, older than middle-aged guy who, uh, was divorced. Um, you know, I carried for a while resentments of, you know, I, uh, didn't want the divorce at the same time she wanted the divorce. And then I did. And then I resented the way it was, uh, explained to our kids and not to, you know, um, and it's like just driving around the same block day after day after day, and um, some people get energized out of that. I um, I didn't. I just it made me bitter and tired, and uh, affected the way I saw other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember, like, what was the reckoning moment when I just said reckoning. <laughs>
0: Dang
1: it. <laughs> If you have bingo Sorry. cards today, that was B four. Uh, isn't that weird how a yeah. word gets in it's your- it.
0: It's stuck. It's stuck in the back of your throat right now. Just power through it.
1: Push through. Like so, uh, I wonder what happened the moment I had to snap and was like, "All right, enough." Because mm. I know it wasn't an instant. Like I didn't just put down the Home Depot bucket and walk away from it. I had a little bit by little bit go. You're not going to have power over me anymore.
0: See, I think that the you're. Your way is uh, more painful, but also a lot healthier than my way, which is just cut them off. And honestly, like, and that's one of the things that I, I wrote down is after, you know, going through grudges, I was like, you know, it's hard for me to think of specific events that I hold on to, but I hold on to attitudes about people. And if you hurt me, you're out. And I don't like try. Like one, you're out? Well, no, but if you hurt me badly enough, I'm never going to trust you again. And that's the thing is like, I have a way of cutting people off and I have, it's always really confused me, um, in relationships when people break up and then they still remain friends. I'm not, I'm not friends with a single ex (laughs) in my history. We, after we broke up, it was like, okay, Mm. peace be with you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Kind of almost like the you're dead to me thing. Yeah, but not
0: in a, uh, I just didn't want to invest in trying to turn that into a friendship. And so, um, and even with relationships that didn't end in anger, I'm just like, okay, that was fun. You know, moving on. See you never. So
1: so I think I was motivated by a couple of what I will call shared investments. Like my ex and I have uh, three grown children, uh, two of whom have grandchildren. We uh, live within, you know, 10 miles of each other. We knew that we were going to continue to see each other at uh, family events. We also knew that uh, we felt this, we created this responsibility on ourselves to model for our kids that you could get past this and that, um, you know, that was the ultimate goal. The first four or five years were very bumpy. We are there now to, to, uh, some people's amazement at, you know, strange things. We're all together mm-hmm. and it's all normal and it's all fine. And my ex-wife sits on the couch and has a glass of wine and talks to Wendy, my current wife. And, uh, you know, it's a, a it's, It is a good and normal, it's, I don't know.
0: Well, and that's where one of my biases come in. I don't have kids. Like I don't have anyone that I need to model because I really do believe having kids makes you a better person because you have to be, if you're willing to do the work and you really want to be a good role model for your kids, you have to be a better person. I don't have to be, (laughs) I've got nobody looking up to me that that's not true. I have a couple little niece and nephew looking up to me, but nobody, because you're, you're relationship whether healthy or unhealthy with your ex-wife has an impact on the entire family mine did not and it was easier for the entire family to just not have to see him anymore and he's out and there's no there's no kids there's nothing that would force us to have to reconcile that relationship And so did I do the right thing by just cutting it off and moving on? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like it probably made him a lot happier that that is the case, too, that he didn't have to deal with me anymore. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I think the word right, like, did you do the right thing? I think the right thing is what would be ultimately the healthiest thing. Mm. And did that thing prepare you then to take the next healthiest step if you chose to be in future relationships with men? You know, how can you put in a shoebox that history, put it away? You
0: can't. You can't put it in. You can't do that (laughs) because then it pops out in ugly ways that you didn't expect. Sure. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times I have been triggered Accidentally by something because I hadn't dealt with sure. the trauma of that relationship yet and it could be little bitty things uh,
1: you know it's going to be but it's a it's a
0: lasting grudge that now has an impact on somebody else yeah
1: well and, and to give the somebody else if you know that happens in the future for you like uh, a heads up Hey, when this happens, you might. Get, it's not your fault. It's not your fault, but there might be. But I'm
0: coming at you. Five minutes
1: of crazy, <laughs> Alyssa, or to to uh, you know to give them permission to catch you mm. when there's an event. They say something, you're triggered. You have come, you know, with the kitchen knife, and they're like, "Hey, you know, I don't know that this situation needs a kitchen knife." <laughs> Maybe there's another way we can talk about this. Oh man, what are we learning, Alyssa?
0: Well, okay, pessimism.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is,
0: and honestly, like by this time, I'm like, okay, are we still talking about pride?
1: I know. By Just the like time we get to like, day four, way off the rails. It?
0: I'm like, why? What does pessimism have to do with pride? And I'm asking, that's not rhetorical. Uh, I'm asking you. I'm supposed to know the answer. To that. Yeah, you know the answer. So
1: I think. Uh, so, here's what let's imagine for a minute. Let's see if this metaphor works. So, all of these other uh, less than attractive attributes are a consequence of taking the exit ramp marked pride, and it takes you into a mess. And some of our, one of the roads you could go down is resentment, another is pessimism, another is arrogance. And um, so, you know, part of the work is learning, you know, how to get back on the road uh, pretty quickly because uh, perhaps pessimism is a consequence of uh, not receiving the acknowledgement that you feel like you're due uh, because you are uh, unhealthfully proud of yourself and caught up with pride and based on experiences of you've been you know mistreated, misaligned, miss whatever. Based out of your understanding of, hey, I am Doug Meyer. You don't treat me like that. So then somebody did, and I'm like, well, the hell with y'all. And Mm -hmm. I just, if that happens over and over again, what happens? Well, you just become a grumpy old man. A pessimist who's just kind of pissy all the time. Mm -hmm. Or you can go, you know what? Yeah, sometimes life sucks. I'm going to remain hopeful. And some people, if you're a pessimist, you go, well, you fool. They're (laughs) going to run over you again. Yeah. and then other people go, oh, that's sweet, you know.
0: Well, and it, it kind of goes back to seeing the best in people because one of the things uh, that the devotion said for day four, is, and this is quoting it, being cynical and pessimistic has a certain logic, doesn't it? If you wall off your heart after one disappointment, you think you can't get hurt again. If you assume all people are jerks, you won't be surprised when they act like jerks. <laughs> And since most people's words and actions can be interpreted in various ways, you can always ascribe ne- negative mo- motivation, that they're just using you, and what a lonely way to live.
1: Yeah, I feel like the word that came to my mind is isolating, mm-hmm. that it's like this huge, like 100-layer-deep uh, hoodie, that it just buffers you against all the crap out there. Uh, you can still do life that way. It's going to be hot and uh, you know you're gonna stink, and it's gonna be uncomfortable. And
0: uh, are you using that because the air conditioning has obviously yeah, cut I, off in here, and we're
1: I am getting clammy. <laughs> <laughs> but we,
0: we are struggling right hope, now.
1: Hope is a choice. <laughs> hope is a willingness to stick your neck out there because the prize of the re, of uh, vulnerability uh, way outweighs the pain of pessimism. That's my bumper sticker comment for the day. Like, vulnerability, take you take a risk, and you don't put on all those hoodies, and there is some joy. Uh, but, you know, if you have enough experiences where all you encounter are jerks, you would also kind of, like, help me understand why you don't go... It's
0: like pleasantly surprised when someone's not, not a, a jerk. jerk. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's funny you say that because, like, every now and then, like, you'll have somebody, a weight staff, or here's somebody who's in that kind of relationship, and they're so pleasant. Like, we always, like, Wendy and I will go, oh, well, isn't that a pleasant person? As if we're surprised that, oh, look, an avian. A good one. Oh, a good one. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder how that happened. Well,
0: so if we're, let, let's go into a recap All right, let's of see. Pride. Okay. Because I feel like it really did kind of, the devotion kind of took us down a rabbit trail. Like day one, we started with, we went from pride to anger, to grudges, to pessimism. And I feel like what it's telling us is kind of what you said of like, okay, we start with pride and then our soul just becomes more and more corrupt. The more we feed into our own ego, the more self-absorbed we are. And these are the things that can come from it. Are those the only things that come from pride? No. Probably not, but I think that was kind of the rabbit trail it was taking us into. So before doing this month's reading plan, what was your relationship with pride?
1: Much more simplistic, much more like, uh, hey, be careful because super proud people get a real inflated ego and nobody wants to be around them. It didn't have at all the domino effect or the rabbit chase at Mm -hmm. all. I just saw it as the singular standalone thing.
0: Don't be prideful. Okay, check. Check.
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right.
0: But like all of the ways that we're exhibiting pride that we don't even realize it. And it's almost like pride is a defense mechanism that we have no control over.
1: Kind of. But I think the longer we talked, the more I guess I think maybe there are... uh, We have control over the choice we made and then deep we get into it mm. unless we're just so far gone there's just no hope for us <laughs> and we don't care how far gone we are you know
0: I think I don't I I mean we are a church podcast so there is hope
1: <laughs> yeah no I'm not saying we Doug and Alyssa yeah but I I there are people in the world who have give up and who uh you know are going to think this is just a you know a crock um uh, I hold that if they were in a community with people who cared about them, loved them, and if they would risk just a couple of moments of saying, maybe I could be wrong, mm-hmm. what else could be true, they're doing the best they can, that they would uh, have some life-giving uh, relationships mm-hmm. there.
0: We are, our title of this series is Unlearned Faith. Yeah. What have you unlearned about pride today?
1: That it's not black and white. Yeah. And that it... um, All pride is not bad. Unhealthy pride is um, a dangerous place to go.
0: And I feel like only I can know when I've become unhealthy. Someone else can't look at me and say, your pride is unhealthy. I mean, I'm sure there are extremes of like, okay, that's a level of arrogance that I haven't seen before. (laughs) But we have to be able to recognize within ourselves. And so it's it's one of those things that's really difficult of like the seven deadly sins are all attitudinal and emotional based. And it's not like, oh, well, you stole, that's a sin. Don't do that. Like, that's pretty easy to see. Right, right, right. But pride, it's so ingrained within well, us.
1: Maybe what, maybe what I, who get to judge you, uh, see is a consequence of that, Uh, sinful pride think that uh, the next time you start to use that word slow down tap the brake and think about it and uh, if you've got attitudes or opinions about all this or uh, there's a whole bunch of other scriptures that have the word proud in them or pride and uh, find one of those and send it to us and you can either agree or tell us we're going to go to hell or something like that all right All right. So Uh, so what are we going to do next time? Yep.
0: Next month, our focus is fear.
1: Our topic
0: is fear. So we are going to unlearn fear. And we are doing a reading plan together called Not Afraid. How Christians Can Respond to Crises, and it's a five-day devotion, and I think it's going to be talking about fear on a grand scale of we see everything happening in the media, uh, but also personal crises that we're going through, uh, and how can we live Unafraid, um, but also is fear always a bad thing? So these are all questions that we're going yeah, yeah. to dig into next month, where we talk about unlearn fear, and I will have a link to that devotion in this episode description. So if you haven't already, download the U version app. Follow along with us. Again, you have a full month to do a five-day devotion. You can do it. So you can do it. We believe in you. Hopefully, for those who did the devotion today, you kind of were nodding along more, and maybe there are some things you disagree with and have a different perspective. Yeah, send it to us. That's
1: going to be interesting. I'm going to have some great stories about fear because why, you ask? We uh, grew up with a mom who was afraid of everything. And so she used fear as her uh, in her toolbox of parenting. Ooh. And so uh, I grew up afraid of everything. Big see,
0: time. I grew up afraid of nothing.
1: Yeah. See, we're going to have fun with that. Yeah.
0: So, And that has its own problems. Yeah, being, yeah, they both do. Yeah, completely fearless. yep, yep. yep. All, right. All right. This is going to be good. So thank you for joining us today on Unlearned Faith. And we will hear from you soon. And you'll hear from us next month.
1: Absolutely. Take care.